Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Full Time Whistle podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by former Inverness Scottish Cup winning midfielder Greg Tanzi. Myself and Greg chat through his fascinating career in football, from growing up in Liverpool as an Everton fan idolising Stephen Gerrard, to starting out at Stockport County. Greg discusses the highs of his career, with his superb second spell at Inverness under John Hughes, which resulted in Scottish Cup glory and European football, as well as the lows and difficulties of life as a footballer, which many do not see. Greg chats openly and honestly about his unfortunate career-ending injuries, the importance of mental health awareness in the game, and his plans for the future. Here it is. So Greg, thanks for coming on, mate. How are you? How, how are you keeping during lockdown? Ah, oh, good, mate. Good, uh... As best as as best as sort of anyone anyone could be really, um, just got to figure out how to keep busy. Uh, dog sick of me at the minute. I keep walking him two three times a day, uh, but yeah, um, just uh, as best as best you can be in a situation like this. Really, it's just I suppose everyone knows everyone's in the same boat, so you just sort of got to get on with things. So um, I'm I'm gonna sort of go over your career briefly, things like that. Um, Best to start probably early on. So how, how did you sort of get into football? I, th- I think yeah. I read that your your granddad played for Everton. So was that like a, a massive influence on you? Yeah, the biggest influence I've had on my career. Um, he, uh, I mean, I was kicking a ball, kicking a ball around around his back garden since I can remember. To be honest, there's my early earliest memories out of that. Um, him and my grandma had a had a greenhouse in the back garden. Um and I think by the time I was ten, eleven, I think that was down. I think that that, that got flat to get flattened because every window was smashed in in it. I was just sort of I was just living and breathing football and and of course it's a it's a massive help to have someone like that sort of um on your shoulder and, and helping you through things. And my whole family were really um when you grow up with sort of a role model who played for your boyhood club, I felt it was a big privilege, but there was also a little bit of pressure as well. I felt a little bit of pressure. Uh, you know, you sort of want to make people in your family proud and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so it was nice. It was nice after all sort of the hard work and stuff like that. He, he, um, he managed to, before he passed, he managed to see me play quite a lot of professional games which was which was great and just something I've always wanted I did always want so no it was he was a massive massive um, influence on my career you you grew up in the hopefully don't pronounce um, butcher the pronunciation Hutton area I believe of Liverpool yeah yeah it's called the the, the, the pronounce it Hutton but Hayton. you know there's there's, there's various, yeah there's that's just the scouts way of pronouncing it but there's various ways to pronounce it um, yeah, I grew up in Heighton, which if you've, you know, if, if anyone, if you know about the area, it's a, it's a working class, working class area. Um, a lot of good people, a lot of really good people, but, you know, it's easy to go down the wrong path. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, my family, family and, um, and everyone kept me on the straight and narrow in that respect. Um, but there was always... I don't know. Liverpool's similar to, very similar to Glasgow and, and Edinburgh in, in, in the fact there's a, a massive, massive sort of influence of football there. Um, 
you know, you, you, you can't get away from it. Uh, it's not to the extent in terms of rivalry, nowhere near in terms of rivalry um, with Celtic and Rangers. Um, in Liverpool, it was more, more friendly banter. You know, there are people who probably take it a bit too far. Um, but, on, you know, you'll have families divided by sort of Liverpool or Everton. Um, I was obviously a blue, which there weren't many of us. There weren't many of us, to be honest. So a lot of my mates are reds. So if you'd ever had the game, um, if you ever had the game as kids, Everton v Liverpool, in terms of the fans, you know, there's probably about... Five or, five or six Everton fans and about 15, 20 Liverpool fans. So you'd have to become good at you have to, it. Was, it was a good learning process to become half decent at football. Um, so when when I was going through sort of, you know, me, me, me early, early days playing, you know, you know you, you, with the Saturday teams and Sunday teams, you know, there were... I felt like I had, I was, you know, I was, I was a, I was a good, well, decent footballer. Um, I felt I had something in my family seeing that in me as well. And ever since I was, ever since I started showing signs of being, you know, being good technically, you know, they, they, they were right behind me and they, they, they pushed me all the way and helped me out for everything really. I never wanted for anything. I didn't, didn't come from a privileged background at all. Um, very working class council estate, but me, you know, my mum, mum, dad, obviously my granddad used to take me, take me anywhere I needed in terms of football, getting to training and stuff like that. So you, you need people like that behind you, um, because there's a lot of kids, and it's it's sad. I grew up with a lot of kids that that had great potential, but the family background wasn't there, and mm. that's nothing on the nothing you know, against the family or whatever. But the kid's not lucky, wasn't as lucky as I was to have family behind me to take me places. So um, I was very grateful of that. And um, yeah, uh, it just, it just sparked me over the game and I was obsessed with it. There's, there's a lot of good players from that area I was reading earlier. Uh, you've got guys like Steven Gerrard, Peter Reid, I think, um, Joey Barton. Yeah. Was was football sort of encouraged from a really young age, and did you feel there was a sort of good sort of path to development there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go straight away. Stephen Gerrard, Stephen Gerrard's obviously a red. Yeah, but he's he's my favourite all time player. I grew up, I grew up. I used to go to Everton matches all the time, and I grew up watching him when he was at Liverpool at his peak. And he's the best player I've ever seen live. You know, I've seen Thierry Henry and, and everything, and all the players, sort of, you know, your Roy Keane's, Beckham's, goals. And for me, they're all top, top draw, well, world-class players. But for me, he just had the edge on them. Just as the pace and, you know, how dynamic he was. And, you know, he was a real leader doing jobs. That a midfielder doesn't really... Doesn't obviously as a midfielder you need to attack and defend, but he'd take it to the extreme in both departments. You know, you'd see him making last ditch tackles, and then you see him getting on the end of the cross or smashing one in from thirty yards. It's he was he was just everything I'd looked up to in a player. Complete and, midfielder, and obviously, yeah, yeah, the complete midfielder. 
and obviously you had I played for the team uh, a Saturday and Sunday team called Whiston Juniors and he played for the same the same team when he was a kid so there was a connection there and 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 you know again there's that little maybe it was my mindset but it, there was that little pressure I put on myself right he's played here I need to try and you know I want to be the next one mm-hmm. um and obviously, he said the Joey Barton, and and he, 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 I think he had a spell at Winston Juniors as well. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of pros that have came from there, Winston Juniors, and 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 they're still going today. That's brilliant what they do for the area, because as I said, and as you mentioned, it, football is in Merseyside. Football is drilled into you from day one. You know, there's there's a lot of lads who who you know, that's the first thing they think of. My all my my mates now, they they've been season ticket holders in in for Liverpool and Everton all their lives. I was myself until I stopped until I had to sort of move away to play. I was a season mm-hmm. ticket holder, so yeah, it's 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 like a religion. It's just the way of life here, you know. And and to be fair, football's so big now. Most places it is it is. So yeah, there was there's that sort. There was that. Um, I don't know whether it, again it was my mindset, but there was that expectation, sort of for the team to play. Who my granddad was, sort of the family history. My uncle, um, Jamie Tanzi, all also played, um, also played professional football. He actually Australia, I would believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 moved to Australia and um, got a, a Australian citizenship and played for the national team. So again, there's that sort of I had to live up to. Sort of yeah. expectations, or I felt it. You know, me, me, mum and dad would have been proud, whatever it did, but I felt I had to live up to that. So, um, so yeah, I had the perfect, the perfect upbringing in that respect. You know, there's a lot of sort of things around me, a lot of bad things as well. There's a lot of bad things in terms of obviously the place you grew up in. There's good and bad in it, but I was lucky. I just focused on the good things. Didn't really focus on anything else really that would take me away from football. So you, your first professional club was uh, Stockport County. So um, yeah. how did you sort of progress from, from youth football to, to end up signing for Stockport? Well, when I was... This was actually sort of a decision that um, my mum and dad sort of steered me into because I think I was, I was 12, 13. About 12, 13, yeah. And I was doing really well uh, playing for the... Uh, Merseyside schoolboys and and stuff like that, and I was doing really well. I was getting sort of, sort of quite a lot of interest from scouts from obviously Everton, Liverpool, Manchester City at the time, um, and Stockport. Stockport were in the Championship then, and it was you know this good sized club, uh, ten thousand, ten fifteen thousand capacity stadium, you no know, nice little stadium, and my mum and dad sort of tried to lead me towards them. Because obviously, when you go to the big clubs, they'll spend forty million on a on a centre midfielder rather than sort of most of the time bringing young players through. So I, I felt I'd get more of a chance there, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I, I I went there and after a six week trial or a couple of weeks on trial, he the they offered me a contract and uh, as a as a schoolboy uh, under fourteen it was, and I just progressed from there. Uh, you know when you you sort of you're living uh, sort of year to year 
when you're at on schoolboy level, you sort of let letting all towards the end of the season. You're going to get kept on the next season. So mm-hmm. that was the early taste of really um, having to prove yourself every day, every every time you played. So I came I came through that way, um, and that stood me in good stead when I got me YTS, and then when I was trying to push into the first team. So you made your debut at 17, I believe. Do you remember it? Yeah. Uh, I remember it like it was like it was yesterday. I remember I couldn't I, I couldn't eat. I was so nervous. <laughs> but it was sort of a good nerves. The day of the game, I, I, I tried to eat something and I couldn't even touch it. I remember the adrenaline was pumping so much. Um, I couldn't even eat something. I remember being actually being sick in the toilet before I left to drive to the stadium. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I'm thinking, because you, I was I'm used to I was training with the first team, but training and games are completely different. Uh-huh. So I, I hadn't even came on for the first team, so they looked to to sort of find my feet. I hadn't come on for like 15, 20 minutes here and there to get a little taste of it. I got, I got the, I got, I found out on the, because I've been doing well in training and stuff and it was Jim Gannon at the time at Stockport and he said to me, um, listen, you, I want, you, you're starting on Saturday. I was against MK Dons. You're starting on Saturday and, uh, you know, he's trying to make, put a stand for, yeah, yeah, great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm going, and, oh my God. Fucking hell! I was <laughs> stomach was doing some assaults, but yeah, I remember. I remember getting to the stadium, and and then once the game starts, everything just disappears, and you just play. And yeah, I got I got man of the match that day, um, and I was I was just delighted. Me, me, all my family were there, and it was uh, I nearly I nearly scored actually at the bar with a free kick. Um, that would have been the nice little icing on the cake, but fortunately, it, it, I, I didn't score. But uh, I remember, I remember doing an interview after the game. It was the first interview I'd ever done in my life, and the guy put the microphone in front of me, and I just did not know what to say. I was just like, "Show me, show yeah, yeah." It was I really enjoyed it, uh, yeah. And then I remember I was driving home, with my dad and at the local radio station and it came on the local radio station and I was made up I was on a radio station first. I was like, you know, and then I listened to myself talk. I had to turn it off. I was like, Jesus, this is, I need, I need to listen. I need to really work on this. <laughs> you sound like an idiot. Cause I just, I wasn't used to it. And it just, I don't know whether it was the whole, um, emotion of the day. I don't know. I just, I just couldn't wait to, for them to stop interviewing me. To be honest, I just remember, Thinking, please stop. I just want to go. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that was that. Um, and there's a big. What I found is there's a there's a massive um, step up from playing youth team level football or reserve level and then first team games because mm-hmm. you're playing against men, playing against you know grown men, seasoned professionals who the mortgages. Rely on this, you know, they're playing for the mortgage, the kids, the wife, the family. So the intensity goes up tenfold. I've seen a lot of lads who are great in training and in reserve games, but you put them in a in a first team game and it doesn't work. It, 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 they just they, they don't adapt. 
I was lucky enough, I'd adapted quite quickly. You're mentioning there a wee bit about, you know, it sort of toughens you up. You had a loan spell as well as playing several first-team games with mm. Stockport. You went to Altrincham on loan. Did, did you feel that sort of toughened you yeah. up even more? You mentioned about playing men's football. Yeah, no, it did. It did. Um, I remember my first game for Altrincham. It was against Torquay at home. And I, th- I can't remember what... I think the game was a draw. I think it was one all, something like that. But the 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 only the main thing I can remember about that is there was a fight at the end of the game. Um, I was eighteen, just turned eighteen at the time, and I'd never seen anything like this before. The chairman, our chairman, is I think fighting with their chairman in the stand, and then it sort of somehow piles down to on the pitch. <laughs> and before I know it, there's like a thirty-man melee of players. Fighting, players, mm-hmm. officials. The ref at this point's gone off. Yes, I'm going in. Just <laughs> got out the way. And and I remember still there going, and it's all going on around me. And I'm thinking, okay, no, I didn't expect this when I was. Uh, you don't you, you don't see this coming. You don't see this coming when I was I was I was playing a Saturday team, you know, <laughs> football or or their team football. I was like, fuck now. Um. So after that, you know that that was toughen you up, and then. There was a few games after that where just you get you get maybe players at the end of the career or lads who just make a living off sort of kicking you, which is not wrong with that, but that does toughen you up. And I think that benefit I benefited from that, you know, quite a bit. Um, I believe you scored your first goal. I think this was for Stockport um, in our two-one defeat against Walsall. Do you remember the goal? Yeah, yeah, good. That's good. Uh, good research there. Yeah, it was a it was a free kick. Um, I remember, yeah, uh, it was not just outside the box, really. And I went, I just went round the wall rather than over. I just went round the wall and I just sneaked in. The keeper couldn't get over in time. Um, yeah, I remember like just then. I just, I, I didn't know how to celebrate really, so I just sort of fist pumped the air and sort of just ran back. And just because I think we were getting beat at the time, yeah, I think we were two 0 down. So mm-hmm. um, it would have been nice to, to score the first goal by winning a game but no no yeah I do remember that Stockport obviously um, I think they got promoted through the playoffs while, while you were away on loan um, so, so you'd come yeah. back to the team in League One what, what was that like making this step yeah. up there? Um, there's, if you, I think you'd ask boys who, who played there's not that much difference there's not much, that much difference between League One and League Two the only time you see a difference is when you play the top teams in League One all mm. the rest uh, just much of a muchness, really. You, unless you, you play the bottom league too, maybe you know the 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 quality is a lot less. But but for that for that standard, um, there wasn't much of a difference. There was the only time I felt a difference was when we played the likes of Leeds, Leeds away. Mm-hmm. You know that's a you know Leeds Leeds away. Um, you got you got fate, like Fabian Delph was at the team. Playing at that stage, Fabian yeah. Delft, there was you know a few others who played Premiership games. You know, following that, who went on to play Prem. Um, so yeah, you, you, obviously you go to the big stadiums, then you'd see the difference when you you know you went up. Um, I remember the first time I played at Leeds. Um, it was probably probably the biggest crowd at that point I played up on, in front of. And 
that's the sort of moment you think, I'd rather be this end, rather be this end pushing for this than in League Two or, you know, sort of on loan the conference again. I, I, I knew to myself I wouldn't let that happen again because mm-hmm. um, I've got a real take of what a sort of proper stadium, if you like, is like and sounds like. So that was the moment I sort of, it really instilled in me, you know, I'm not, yeah, I've had my learning curve now, but, you know, I want to progress further. You became a, a first-team regular over the, the coming seasons, 40-odd um, appearances per season. What what was that like, sort of becoming a, a key player for your boyhood club? Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, I did I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. The, the, the sad bit about it was um, Stockport had massive financial problems. Yeah. Which, which I I probably benefited from in terms of I became a regular in the in the team because they had such financial problems as well. Um, I remember we played we played Crew at the end of the season in League I think it was League One. Yeah, League One. I think it was League One, and we were near the playoff places. And if we won the game, we would have gone into the playoffs. And we won the game 4-3. Um, yeah, won the game 4-3. And we thought we were in the playoffs. So the boys came in, came into the dressing room, and the chairman's in there. So I thought, we all thought he was in there to congratulate us and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, right, boys, um, good news is we've stayed up. And I was thinking, that's not, what? Mm-hmm. He didn't take it from saying. And he was like, well, um, we've gone into administration. Um, you know, we didn't want to, we didn't want to announce it before the game because, you know, it put it down on the day. Um, but, you know, at least we know we're going to be League One next season. And I thought, it just, it just sort of, it was a real, real, really sort of sat the dressing room as you can imagine it was just it was a bit odd I didn't really like the way it happened but then again the people that were running the club weren't running it correctly so that's why we were in that mess in the first place and then from then from then the next season we were just you know we were just we had no money at all um, I think Gary Ablett Gary Ablett um, came in and took took the team, uh, and he was he was brilliant. Um, he was fantastic. He was very good for my my development. Um, because I was with him, he was the uh, reserve team manager at Liverpool a couple of seasons before. Which um, after my debut, Liverpool took me. I went to Melwood training with them for I think it was four weeks. And went to Italy with the, the reserve team and played mm-hmm. in a tournament up there. And that was brilliant. I loved it. Um, in the end, sort of, I was playing first team football and Gary Ablett was very honest with me. He said, listen, you know, we want you to come here. But you'd be obviously a million miles from our first team. Um, because if, obviously I had my hero, Gerard was there. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant just training with him. That was something... I was, vet, I was, I've never really been starstruck in my life, but I seen him and I was shook his hand and I didn't really know what to say. Um, uh, yeah, all right. 
because he knew I was from Iton. He, he heard us from Iton, so I think he went out of his way to just say hello. And um, yeah, he was he was top draw, so it was just that was just a bit I was a bit starstruck there with him. But yeah, Gary Ablett was brilliant with me when I was there, so I was very lucky he came to Stockport after that because he gave me a new contract. First mm-hmm. thing he did, which was great. Um, but he, 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 I mean, he was on a shoestring budget. He was trying his best. Great coach. He was trying his best with what the board were giving him. And yeah. he didn't give him anything, to be honest. And subsequently, we just, you know, the whole atmosphere around the club wasn't what it should have been. And then we just, I mean, that was probably one of the toughest parts of my career. Was, you know, we, we got relegated from League One. Um, and then the second seat, the the season in League Two, I personally had a good season. Um, top scorer, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a top scorer. I got, uh, I was sort of, I got player of the year, place player. But we got relegated, which was just, a, it, 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 the rest didn't matter because mm-hmm. it's the worst thing for football you, you can experience. Um, but then in that in that summer. Obviously, Terry Butcher got in contact and um, asked if I'd be interested to go to him and S. So, so that, that's how that came about then, just a, a, a sort of phone yeah. call from Terry Butcher. So what was it like going up to Inverness then? You're obviously from, from you're saying you're from Heighton there. D- d- do you yeah. know anything about Inverness at that point? Or? Well, I did. I, I'd seen them. I'd seen them. Um, um, obviously, I spoke to Terry Butcher um, and he, he wanted me to go and uh, to go and fly up and have have a talk with him. Um, so, well, I said absolutely to Terry Butcher, isn't it? So I was fucking hell, yeah, yeah, great. Um, and then I watched him and SB Celtic on Sky, and I I thought, right, that's great. Obviously, you know, playing on live TV and and the sort of a, you get a real big, a, a much bigger um, sort of profile playing. In the in the in the Scottish in Scottish Prem, so I flew up to him uh, with my agent and I met him, and he's exactly what you'd expect. You know, he's a he's a great fella. Um, sort of his character speaks for speaks for itself, really. And he, as soon as I came and met him, I thought, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's. I, I want to take myself out of my comfort zone, really, and sort of move away and 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 develop that way. You were only there for a, a year initially. Did you sort of find it difficult to, to relocate? Yeah, I did. I did. When I first moved up, when I first moved up, obviously, it had been the first time I'd been away from, I'd been out of my comfort zone. Um, and I, I struggled to sort of, I had a bit of homesickness when I, when I was up there because um, when, when obviously, I flew, you fly up and it's, out the way, mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. Um, so, you know, the town, the town itself's great. Um, the town itself's great, and the lads, the lads are great. You're all, you're, you're all mixed after sort of training and keep yourself busy that way. I initially, for the first five, four, five months, just struggled to to adapt to living on my own and and sort of being away from me mates at home and, and stuff like that. It was just a bit of, there was just that bit of time where I, I, I wasn't really 
I wasn't settled in terms of you move away straight away on your own with your sort of luggage. You get in, you're in a flat in Venice and you, you're sort of thinking you've just got to find your feet. So there was that like four or five months where I was trying to find my feet. Mm-hmm. After that, after that, I think um, after, it was probably towards the Christmas and New Year or just before Christmas into New Year and then the second half of the season. That's where I found my feet and felt, and felt more like, uh, more settled there. The only the only reason I left because uh, Terry Butcher said to me he wants to to keep me on, um, and he was sort of pestering me to sign a contract. Um, back then, when I, I you know I'd, I'd had I'd had a couple of sort of conversations with other clubs um, because it was in the last six months of my contract, mm-hmm. and I just you know. I spoke to spoke to Stevenage, and if I look back, I look back now in hindsight, I'm thinking just stay in my nest. There was, you know, there was no point in really going to Stevenage, um, but there was a guy there, Gary Smith, and he, his philosophy was just sort of total football, and I felt that would benefit that would benefit me, and he played my strengths because I wanted to go to Stevenage and move on, and and you know get promoted with Steven and Joe because they just missed out on promotion into the championship the year before mm. when I went there. So I felt like it was a way to get into the championship in England, um, mm. which I wanted to have a crack at. So yeah, I went there in the first, the first six months of Steven and Joe Grace, you know, I was sort of scoring, scoring goals and, and I was having a real sort of, a real good time there. You know, there was some, there was some interest in the in the January when I was at Stevenage. I'd been there six months, and there was some interest in from Championship clubs above. Um, but that didn't happen. The, the move didn't happen in the end for for one reason or another. But uh, sort of after that, um, after that, I, I picked up a little injury, which it it wasn't wasn't any much. But I don't get injured that much. I didn't anyway. Yeah. Um. I'd gone through most of my career without being injured, which was I was very lucky for, really. Um. So I was out for a couple of weeks during that time. Gary Smith got sacked. Um. Because, sort of, um, results had results had dropped, and basically, I don't think the board board weren't used to how he played football because they were used to a more direct style. Mm-hmm. Um. Which, which some teams, some teams in League One, they like that style. That's their that's their way of playing. Um, and then Graham Wesley came in after that, and his sort of take on football and my take on football were completely different. Right. Not saying anything's right or wrong. We each one were right or wrong, but we just didn't see football in the right in the same way. And there was a lot of things that went on. Um, his way of coaching, not coaching, but his sort of way he wanted to coach the players and he, the way he felt got he got the most out of the players didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So it got to a stage where you, you're with a manager who you know isn't going to get the best out of you. You know doesn't play to your strengths anyway. So I was at, I was at the point of sort of no return with Stevenage where I couldn't, I didn't see myself there long term. So then 
that's when John Hughes at Inverness rang me, and that was that was the best best three and a half years of my career by an absolute mile. When working under him, he was he's the best coach I've ever I've ever been sort of involved with in me in my career more in a season with him than I would than I had had done in 15 years um, any player who says any player who's played under him will say exactly the same as me mm-hmm. um, it's you think you know football you think you've been around the game quite a bit, bit you've experienced quite a bit you think you know know the game and then you meet him and he just opens all these doors for you and you think you don't see the game that way and you know Working under him, his standards, his demands, his philosophy on football. It was I was very lucky in terms of it. It just suited me down to the ground what he wanted, um, and yeah, it was that was the best, the best as I said, best best time of my career under him. I spoke to a boy Thomas Scobie who uh, came through at Falkirk with John Hughes, um, played with St Johnston, had, had a good career. Um, he says that yeah. the man management side that John Hughes was different class. Was that? Did you feel the same as that? Ah, uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. You know, there was there was a um, there was a lot of times he helped me through through all like through quite a bit you know, in terms of you know what is demands of me. You know, he used to he used to the way he used to talk to me. He used to talk to me like. He'd make you feel like you're the best midfielder in Scotland. He'd make you feel. He did for me anyway. He'd, he'd, the, the, the way he talked to you, and then the demands he'd put on you, and say, "Right, I think you're this good. This is where I want you to be. And if you're not like that, I'm going to tell you. But this is why I'm telling you. So you know, even when he's having a go at you, you know he's helping you. You know he's doing it for the right reasons. He's not just blindly shouting at you because his missus has pissed him off in the morning or or something like that. Do you know what I mean? He's not just trying to get it out, just vent his aggression on someone. He's actually helping you. He's, he, he teaches you the game. And yeah, as as uh, as your boy, uh, as Scobie said, he, he's he's top draw, top draw. Just going going back briefly uh, to your time at Stevenage, you've you played at Goodison Park with him. I just want to touch on that quickly. What was yeah. that like for you? Yeah, well, it was a it was a boy or dream. It was, it was brilliant. All my mates were there. Um, Everton actually looked after. Obviously, me, me granddad's passed now, and I'm you know it was it would have been nice for him to see it. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did. Who knows? But me grandma, they Everton looked after me grandma, and 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 he put her in the director's box. So it was it was brilliant, you know. They they, they really looked after, her and she was delighted. I remember seeing her at, at the end of the game, by our, and she was stood by our team bus, and she just she ran over and gave me a big hug, and uh, yeah, all me. She was absolutely delighted with it. She was um, me obviously mum and dad were there. All my mates were there. My mates actually said to me, "If you score, we're running on the pitch. We're we're we're, we're doing a pitch invasion." So I had a chance, sort of just before it was one all. I had a chance just before the end of the game, and the keeper tipped it over the bar. And if that would have gone in, I'd have probably woke up in the cells the next day because <laughs> I'd have been in the crowd, they'd have been out, would have been going crazy. So it's probably a good thing that it did. It didn't go in because there would have been 
a couple of boys in jail that day. So it was only two one as well. Well, you saw sort of, you sort yeah, of yeah, running them, run them really close. Yeah, yeah, Fellaini scored. Um, I think it was in the last couple of minutes of extra time towards the end. He, he scored, and but we had chances. We took them. We took them all away. Um, it was a very good performance from the team. That um, so yeah, it, no, it would have been sort of a fairy tale stuff. I think they scored and would have gone through. Um, it would have been fairy tale stuff, but it wasn't to be. I was just delighted that I got the chance to play there. You know, somewhere I'd, I'd been hundreds of times before watching Everton, so it was great to play against them. So when you, when you came back to Inverness, I think your second game was that League Cup semi-final. What was that like? You're sort you're sort of thrown yeah. in the deep end again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think my first game was coming on at Aberdeen, uh, and then we played St Johnston, and I didn't get on that game, um, because he said I will be thrown in. I'll be playing in the semis, so. I was, um, I knew it was coming, so I, I, I could get myself prepared for it. But it was a, it was a big, it was a big day, obviously for a lot, a lot of reasons. I wanted to sort of put my mark on things as soon as it came up. Uh, that's what I wanted to do first and foremost. And that game was just crazy. That game, I still think now. It's, it's, I mean, we had two semi-finals. Adam Vaness and both of them were absolutely bonkers. They were nuts. Yeah. Uh, it's they were just great games to be involved. Um, the first, the first half against against Hearts was pretty uneventful. Nothing happened. You know, it was just sort of a stalemate. I think we had a really good chance with Billy Mackay that the keeper did well to save. They had a few half chances, but it was it was pretty dead, pretty even. And then obviously second half, all the chaos chaos happened ensued and um, and yeah, it was uh, it was some semi. Scored a scored a screamer that day as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd been that whole game I'd been itching to get a shot off and um and sort of it wasn't falling for me the first half. And I remember uh, Aaron I think Aaron Dorn had the ball, passed it back to Shinny. Graeme Shinny. Shinny went to sort of play ball into Vinny or I think it was a, a cross that I came to uh, James Vincent. It was one of them. He didn't really control it. You know, because it was fired into him so it sort of bounced off him and just fell to me. Mm-hmm. I thought, right, I've been, I've been dying for a shot all game. I'm just going to hit it. And I couldn't have hit I don't think I've hit a ball sweet in my life. Um, it's when I didn't even feel it come off my foot. It was it was a bit sort of slow motion, and then I just seen it go in. Uh, and then obviously we went mad. I didn't really at the time know how sort of good it looked when you're watching it. It just I just did it, and I seen it go in, and then wheeled off and celebrated. But I didn't. It was only when I look back and see it sort of after the game and see it on on video. Yeah, it's it's the it's one of the best goals I've scored by a by a country mile. To be fair, I rewatched it the other day. It's a bit it's a bit Stephen Gerrard esque, you could say as well. Yeah, well, I, I think I've watched enough of his videos. I might pick something up along the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of them things that just it's like yeah, golfers say when you you catch a good one, 
it, you, they don't even feel and it just flies it was just one of them things it just sat up nice I had a good connection on it um, and yeah that was it um, I was just I was just delighted just to score and then obviously as the game go on went on it's sort of an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. um, with us going down to nine men you know Hearts going two up you know, and I think it was Stevenson for Hearts was in the corner trying to waste time just towards the end and he was he high-fived a few of the Hearts fans in the corner and then by us and then we go up the other end and score so I think I think that really killed Hearts mm-hmm. and then I think I think the the extra time obviously we're down to nine men Hearts had so many fans there you know, we've just sneaked the late equaliser in at the end of normal time. I think that we, I think they were a bit, a bit rattled with it. Um, so we managed to keep it together, albeit down to nine men. I think there was, I think we were playing with no, no striker in the, Jordan, um, Jordan next time, no striker. No, it's nine men the ball, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, yeah, just, just nine men, just, just sort of get the ball and get as far away from the goal as you can um, and then it went down to penalties and the boys kept the cool and um, and yeah some uh, some some celebrations that day see, see when you're 2-1 down with 9 men are you actually thinking we've got a chance or what, what are you thinking at the time surely, surely you can't be like um, we're going to come back yeah well I think yeah I think there was there was ninety five percent of me thought there's no chance, mm-hmm. but then throughout throughout watching football and playing, no matter how bad things are, you do get one chance. You get something, some little ricochet if you if you if you sort of go gung ho and put put pressure on. So I had a little. I, I never thought we were out of it fully. I, I expected us to go out, but I, there was always. That little thing in the back of my mind, I think playing, I was thinking just just try and keep it, try and sort of, don't concede any more goals. I think we'll get one more chance. And then Nick, Nick Ross popped up with a with a goal and it, it, it seemed to take hours to go in. When it bobbled up and sort uh-huh. of just was falling into the gut. It, that seemed like hours. And then... When, when that happened, I think you've seen some of the heart boys, I don't know if it was Hamill, was on the floor and 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 it, it just makes you think because I remember seeing that and I'm thinking that's wobble them a little bit that that that's that wobble them that goal and um, obviously thankfully it, it did. He's on well after all that unfortunately uh, you you lost the final to Aberdeen. That's yeah, quite yeah. an entertaining now now you could say um quite quite a lot of yeah. happening things. Um, but yeah, yeah, you lost on penalties after after the high. You're winning on penalties in the yeah. semi. Obviously devastated by that. Yeah, it was. It was. Do you know what? It was. It was a bit of a. It was. It was. There was, there was chance in the final, but we sort of cancelled each other out a little bit. I think we should have gone a little bit more attacking that day. Um, and really, just we we sort of. I, I felt that day we sort of just maybe focused on Aberdeen's strengths rather than our own. But these things happen. You know, these things happen in games. And, um, yeah, it was a bit of a stalemate. And then, obviously, I missed the pen. And I think I've watched it back a few times. 
and that's normally my go-to pen. I'll, I'll sort of, I used to whip it across your body into the opposite corner. And I remember the, the pitch I tilt, it was a bit boggy that day. Yeah. And yeah, and, and it was just, it was just a bad penalty. It happens. It happens. And I was absolutely devastated after it. Um, I remember Billy Mackay missed as well, um, which selfishly made me feel a little bit better because I thought, well, at least he's missed as well. Like, if they'd, if they'd have lost on me missing a penalty, I'd have been absolutely... I was devastated anyway, but it would have been 10 times worse if it had just been me. But, yeah, I think we learned from that, though, going into the, the, the next season. Into next season, we learned from sort of having that little bit of history for the club and, and just falling short. I think we thought... I think it stood us in good stead for the next season. Yeah, so that that season you you finished fifth in the league, I believe. It was a great season for the club, but obviously the following year, before we come on to the Scottish Cup, you've come third in the league as well into Europe. What was that like? Oh, it was it, it was brilliant. I think we had a we had a very very good side that year, very very good side, and I've said this to a few people. I think although we finished third, getting into Europe was was fantastic. I think for about four, three or four months, I don't think we won at home in that season, even though we finished third. And we finished, I think it was six or seven points behind Aberdeen, who were in second. And they they uh, they'd beat us once or twice that season, so they took points off us as well. So I think I think we sort of underachieved. I think we could have finished second, but make no mistake about it, it was it was the best season I think the clubs the clubs ever had to date, and sort of qualifying for the Europa League for a small sort of relatively small club like Inverness it was it was brilliant brilliant to be a part of it So um, coming on to the semi-final now of the Scottish Cup um, what what a game really um, Celtic will win them up through uh, it was a Van Dyke free kick but um, just just before the, yeah. before the game pre-match are you, are you nervous um, are, are you thrown up like you were in the, before your debut <laughs> No, that was the that was you know what that was um, after that day. I never really after the um, me me professional debut. I never really suffered with nerves. I, I used to sort of like being nervous in a weird way. Um, yeah, so I didn't really. I just remember being sat in the hotel room before the game against Celtic and just thinking, "We've got a chance. We've got a chance here. Um, there's no pressure on us. We've got a chance." Let's just go and I felt like go, you know, run further than you've ever run before. I know it's 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 one of the cliches to say and and sort of just be the best you can be and just sort of leave it all out on leave it all out on the pitch really. And we got lucky. We did get lucky. <laughs> you know, it's a blatant handball by Josh. It was. We all knew it. We all knew it. I mean, this video of me. After he's done it, I've gone like that now to the ref. <laughs> I, I, could, I heard it come off his hand. I could see it. I, I heard it come off his hand straight away. I was like, no chance. Yeah, I was like, no chance. No chance. And then I just seen him wave away. I was thinking, I thought, oh my God, I can't believe I've got away with that. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I, we, we were playing good football that day. I think, I think in the first half, obviously Celtic had chances. And rightfully should have been sooner up, but we had we had a, we had quite a lot of the ball, 
in the even in the first half, and then gradually as the second half and the game wore on, we really came into it. And I know Celtic went down to ten men, but I think mm-hmm. I think we really really sort of took over from there. Yeah, you meant you mentioned the ten men there. Craig Gordon sent off, and obviously Inverness awarded the penalty. Were, were you always going to take it? Yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, I didn't let, one thing I didn't let, I didn't want to happen is when I missed the pen the year before against Aberdeen, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to run away from him and say, oh, I'm never taking a penalty again. Mm-hmm. Because you make it a bigger, bigger deal. I almost wanted to, a, a penalty as quick as I could after Aberdeen so I could take it, score it and then just move on. Um, so yeah, I was always going to take it. The thing about that was, um, was the weight for Gordon to go off, Gordon to go off, and then the sub come on. Because I think it was standing over the ball for a good, like a good four, minutes, maybe more. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, because he's Zaluska's getting ready to come on and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing that made me laugh during that was I'm sort of, I was sort of bouncing the ball. I didn't know he was coming off for Celtic. I was I was bouncing the ball and just trying to think of anything really and just trying to keep my mind clear and I bounced the ball and I heard one of the lads one of our lads go oh my god he's taking Forrest off <laughs> and I turned around and thought thank fuck for that because Forrest was David Raven was doing cartwheels made up that he was going off <laughs> because because Forrest was like unbelievable that day before yeah. he went off the first half, he was so quick, so so quick. And that, as a midfielder as well, when we're on the attack, because our fullbacks bomb on so much, we had to sort of watch where their wingers were and try and protect the wingers. Um, so I was thinking to myself, Thank fuck for that. I don't have to chase Forrest back in the 80th minute, trying to keep up with him, because there's no chance of that because he was too quick. So I was sort of delighted about that, um, and then. I just, I could, I could just hear the booze. So I had a little joke about that with the, I think it was Drapes or, or one of the lads about Forrest going off. And then I just remember sort of looking, trying to stare at the floor or trying to just bounce the ball, trying not think of anything. I could hear like, I could hear Van Dyke in the background was in my ear a little bit and a few of the others. But the longer it went on, I thought to myself, this is taking the pressure off me a little bit here because there's so much of a of a delay in terms of me waiting over the ball. Everyone else is nervous. They're probably thinking, "Fuck, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be taking this." So I sort of had an excuse of I missed it. I was just like, "Ah," and it, it weird how it happened. It probably shouldn't have happened like that, but that's how I felt. I thought, "Ah, oh, well, I'll just take it." Like it's it. If I miss, I miss. We've got the rest of the game. Um. And then luckily, as I'm stepping up, I was going to go left. But the keeper who came on went early. So I just passed it into, I just hit it into the other corner. Um, and yeah, just a, a lot of relief came after that when I scored. I was, I was happy we were one, up, one all and I had managed to keep it together to take it. It goes to extra time then. You, sort, you, you go to one up. I think it's a foray that scores. Are you thinking yeah. you can you can see it out then? Yeah, because I thought we were we were on top of Celtic really um, in the, in the in extra time because they were a man down. I think we were a very fit team as well. 
So we were on top of Celtic, keeping the ball well and, and, and moving them side to side, really tiring them out. So when a fair he scored, the first, the first thing was, I thought, is, right, let's get hold of the ball again. Let's keep in control of the, in control of the game and stop any goals. Like, no goals for them. Let's tire them out and really just just keep it together, um, sort of, uh, positionally and tactically. Um, and then, but within Vaness, with us, we don't do anything the easy way. We don't, we never did. Mm-hmm. We never did. I said the, the, the semi-final year before, going down to nine men. So it was, it, you know, it, would have been, it wouldn't have been like us to just see the game out and just sort of wear the clock down and go in 2-1 and go through. So we had, um, I think, Gadetti was it who scored the free kick. Yeah, questionable goalkeeping, to be fair. But yeah, yeah, well, the thing is, yeah, the thing is with that, I think, I think when, I think when, um, when you hit a ball like that, like he did, he hits it with his laces. It does move. That's difficult. It does move quite a bit. Keeper, yeah. yeah, yeah. And S S Ryan S is the top goalie. He was mm-hmm. brilliant. So it was just one of them things that happened, and it happened to every. It happened to me the semi-final before when I put it over the bar. Oh, sorry, the final before when I put it over the bar and missed against Aberdeen. These mm-hmm. these things that happened. S was beating himself up about it afterwards, but you know, in the end, we went we went through we went through. So it was all forgotten about. You know, there's a bit of banter about it just because we went through to try and make him feel better. Yeah. But now, I mean, obviously, when he scores, though, when he scored, you think. Oh, here we go. We've got to do it again. And um, and yeah, I mean, it just goes to show the way John Hughes wanted to play football. You know, you've got the left back crossing it and the right back scoring at the at the end. You know, on on, on the end in the last the last couple of minutes of extra time. So it was that was brilliant. And going back to um, going back to the sort of throwing up bit after Rav scored that goal. Just before that, I'd made a I'd made a run, and I just remember being knackered, like really tired. And I had a swig of um, Luke Sade Sport, but I was gulping it down. I had too much of it. And I was sitting on my stomach, I remember. And then Ravs has scored, so I've ran over. I've gone to run over, and I can feel myself going. Oh, felt like I felt like I was going to be sick. So I was thinking, I'm not missing this. I'm jumping on them if I'm sick on them, I don't care. So I, was, I jumped on them. I jumped on them and then we were celebrating. And then I just remember sort of coming away and I had to be sick of the advertised boardings in Adam Park. Strange. Before, before you've got off again. Everyone, yeah. Oh everyone's, everyone's going mad. Everyone's going mad. And I've, I'm like, sort of, I'm on them. I'm on, uh, I think it was Ryan Christie, and I'm celebrating with the fans, but I can feel myself going to be sick. And then I just put my head over the, over the advertised board and basically just take, bring the Luke Sades 4 back up and then run back on, and then we carry on. The, I felt fine after that. So, yeah, I must have, must have one of them acid reflex. I don't know. I don't know. But, That's um, unreal. That's unreal. Yeah. Well, it was crazy. It was crazy. What, what were the celebrations like, obviously, after the game? You, you've, you're through a Scottish Cup final. The bus ride on the way back was 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 crazy. Um, got a big carry out from I think it was the Tesco's or something, and there's that quiet bit where all the lads are on the phone with the families. They've got a bottle of beer with them, 
just all all ringing home or whatever, all laughing and joking. And then there's the stage where after a couple of beers, I'm playing a game just before having a couple of beers. The lad, it just goes straight to the lad's head. So the lads are all are going nuts on the bus. Gary Warren's running up and down the 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 bus naked. Um, <laughs> all the boys, you know, lads are just diving on each other. It's like it's basically like it was what I'd describe it to is on the Wolf of Wall Street when you have that plane scene and there's just booze everywhere and it's flying and the the the, the sort of planes going like that. The bus was was going like that up the way to back up the A9. Um, I'd have hated being a bus driver that day. <laughs> I don't. They don't get paid enough. They, 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 they shouldn't have had to deal with that. But no, it was these are times you don't forget. And then obviously we went out in Inverness after that when we got back and a lot of the places in Inverness wouldn't let us in because they knew we'd, we'd be too drunk we knew we'd be too drunk they wouldn't let us in so we managed to go to a place managed to go to a place and have a, have a good night have a good night it was a few sore heads Sunday morning but it mm-hmm. didn't really matter Brilliant um, so just just touching on the you, you, were, you were saying on the bus there the celebrations um, you being up in Inverness for obviously away games and things, you'll have had to spend a lot of time for these guys because you know your average away game is not really, not really a short trip. So is that was that sort of good for the nah. the, the camaraderie and things? Yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the the dressing room in Inverness was the second time, especially when I went up, was brilliant. Best dressing room I've been in because, as I said before, in Inverness you spend a lot of time outside of football with the with the boys, so you become really close. Mm-hmm. And that's what we had. We had that camaraderie where after training, we'd go out for a coffee or something to eat at, at night or around to each other's houses and things like that. We'd spend a lot of time together. So it was, you know, it was a very, very tight-knit group. And we were made sort of mates off the field as well, not just sort of work colleagues. So it was, you know, we had something special in that dressing room. I think that's what got us, got us through things. And, and I think that was the extra couple of percent we needed to, to really push on. So coming on to that famous day now, it's, it's near enough five years to the day now. Um, I imagine you've spoken a lot about it over the last month, probably to, to press and things like yeah. that. But, um, yeah. were, you, were you confident going into it? Falkirk in the final, um, I think they were in the championship at the time. Were you sort of nervous mm. or were you, were you confident? Yeah, we were, co- we were confident. We were confident, but we'd gone from being the underdogs in the semi-final to massive favourites. Yeah. And and it was sort of, because the semi-final was so like emotionally sort of draining and and it was such a, a big deal to beat Celtic, the final for us didn't really, it doesn't really live up to, to the semi. But the, again, the way we won it, the way we won it just in the last couple of minutes after having a man sent off, being sort of looking down and out, looking like, fuck it, we're going to win it. You know, James Vincent pops up and, and, and scores at the end. Um, going into the game, you know, we, we went away. We left Inverness on the Wednesday, stayed in Edinburgh and did a training camp. We're training at Livingston's ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Livingston let us let us use it and um, that was good that was good for the boys to sort of to get us away because it was a bit of a 
you know, all you could see, literally in Inverness, in the streets, our pictures were everywhere. And, you know, there was flags everywhere and, 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 and the place had really come alive, really come alive with it. You couldn't really escape it. So I think that's why uh, Yogi took us down to, to Edinburgh, sort of to get us out of the way of things. Um, but yeah, on the day, on the day, again, it was, we, were sort of, we were in control first half. We get the goal, 1-0 up. Then we, when we get, a, we get a man sent off, again, these, these things happen. And they score one all. It looks like they they really on top of us second half, and you know look like he could he could have a few you know chances to 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 win the cup. But again, Marley Marley goes on a run. He was fantastic for us that year. He had yeah, you know he was, attack, he was, yeah yeah it was he was you know it's no surprise to see him do so well down the English Championship because he's got that physicality. He's just so quick, strong. He's so fit, he'll do it all, all day for you. And he broke away, you know, as a shot, keeper parries it. And James Vincent was right back at the time, but he'd gone on a run, just just took a gamble and it paid off. And it was a, a really nice nice way to end the season. It was, yeah, the celebrations were, were superb. And winning a major trophy as well was, was, was brilliant for us, massive. You have friends and family and things there from, from Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had mum, my mum, mum, dad, uh, granddad uh, was there. I've got aunties there. I had five of my mates drove up from Liverpool, um, Liverpool to come and to come and watch. Uh, everyone, like everyone, was there. I think I had about twenty people, twenty people at the game. Um, so yeah, we would. I get a nice picture with the cup with them, which I still got now, which is great. I think when you play football, to have memories like that, to real, you feel really lucky to to have them, mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. They're very, you know, hard to come by. So to have that was nice. And then we had, we had a great. We had to go back up the road, and have the have the uh, the open top bus the next day in Inverness, which was again brilliant. It was a great turnout. So what what were the after party like? What what so what was the after party like? Do, do you uh, do you remember it or? Yeah, I remember bits of it. I remember bits of it. There's pictures I've seen afterwards, and I'm absolutely. I just get you're absolutely. You're just out of it. Um, I remember. I remember waking up, waking up the the, the morning after, and. Um, yeah, waking up the morning after, getting a taxi back home, um, getting my stuff together, going down to the to the ground, and the boy there was just bodies, sort of bodies everywhere on the floor <laughs> in the in changing rooms, in the showers, Jeez. sort of in the back in the physio bed, upstairs, upstairs in the sort of uh, hospitality. You basically have to send stage parties out for some of the lads because you're thinking they're here somewhere, so we need to go and find them to get them up, sort of shake them out, cold water in them, and let's get let's get on the bus. Um, so yeah, it was like like starting out to the Walking Dead that day. Um, yeah, I mean you still you still still on go for yourself. Uh, everyone's on go over, so there's only one thing really for it to get back on get back on the booze. To be fair, so. We just ended up getting back on the booze. Um, 
the coach picked us up, open top bus picked us up, and then we went through Inverness and we went to a place called like the Meeting Park, which is a big uh, open plan sort of park where they have they have bands on and stuff like that. So we went there and there was a massive turnout, was thousands of people there. So it was great to sort of spend it, spend time with with the, the fans who'd, who'd sort of been through us with us all 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 the season as well. Um, yeah, these are days you never you never forget. So they're very, you know, it's very you enjoy speaking about them because the again the 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 really really fond memories. How many pints did you buy, Josh Meekins? Oh, he didn't have to buy for a good year after that. Yeah, I can imagine. He, he he was never one to buy a drink. To be fair. He never wants to buy a drink, so it's shooting them down to the ground. He was getting them ball for them all the time. Brilliant. <laughs> what what's it what's it like then when when the, the final whistle goes um at Hamden and, and you realise you're you're Scottish Cup winners? I'm not really I'm not really an emotional person, to be honest. I've never been one to 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 really I, I want to show emotion, but I've never, I've never been one to sort of shed a tear over things or anything like that. And that day, that day for a good, I think I remember celebrating and then just sort of sitting down, sitting down for a couple of seconds, and I, I was having shedding a little tear there, and then um, just trying to take it all in, and then you get, you get pulled up, and then the celebrations sort of continue. You sort of go over see your family and stuff like that. Well, first thing I did when I when I got picked up was run into the changing rooms and get a get a get a drink. Come out with a bottle of a bottle of blood, I think it was. Um, yeah, because you just want to start start celebrations as quick as you can. Uh, yeah, so the celebration continued for the for the next couple of days. I couldn't tell you it was just a one night thing. It was days afterwards. I think the boys were out. I had to go home because I was. Um, I'd, I'd booked I'd booked Cancun with me mates, so I was going. I was flying on the Tuesday, and this was on the Sunday. I was going to Cancun with me mates for two weeks, so I'd say for that two and a half weeks, I'd be struggling to find. I think you you count the number of days I was sober on on one hand. To be honest, it was a good. Uh, we had a good blowout after that, definitely. Were you were you sick at the after party or was it just during the game? No, 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 no. I'm never sick with drink. It's just uh, it's just that Luke Seed's what. I don't think I've ever drank one again, to be honest. <laughs> so um trying trying not to go from that positive to a negative, but we we've got to talk about John Hughes departing and then Richard yeah. Holden comes in and as I believe I don't. I don't really think he was backed. I think. I think that was the case. Richie Foran wasn't really mm-hmm. backed to Inverness as yeah. as manager, and then unfortunately you you, you finished bottom and, and you're relegated. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's that like? Yeah. That, that high to that low. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when when John Hughes left, he left because he wasn't really. He wasn't. He wants to take the club on with with achieved with achieved what with achieved with the club, and myself included. The players were thinking. All right, we're not asking for a lot. We've earned the club a bit of money here. It'd be great if we just put it back into the squad and we can carry on mm-hmm. and we can sort of really push the, push ourselves in the league and in the cups again because the boys all one thing about sort of achieving something like that. Once you do achieve something like that, you want it again. 
that's what the boys wanted. That's what John Hughes wanted, and he didn't get it. So in the end, he did. It. He, he had to leave. He had to leave um, because he didn't feel like the club were in the same mindset he was, which disappointed a lot of the players, to be honest. And then, obviously, Richie was fantastic as a player, fantastic, great leader, brilliant in the dressing room. Um, one of the probably the best captain I've ever played under. He was superb. Everything you'd want from a captain. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had he was struggling with injuries as a player. He had a long a long contract left with the club, and I think he didn't have um, any any of the any of the qualifications, any of the coaching badges. Or obviously, I mean, to be a, to be a manager in an SPL club, you've got to have experience. You know, it's yeah. it's. It's near impossible to throw someone. I mean, I certainly would have want, wouldn't have wanted the job. You know, I was nowhere near, but I, I wouldn't have wanted the job. So to 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 throw him in like that because he had a long contract and because he was a cheap option to do that for the club, rather than bringing in another manager, it was wrong for me. They shouldn't have done it to him. Um, and on top of that, he didn't back him. He's really he was trying to do the best with what he could. Um, and the play, you know, we 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 made some signings, some signings that that you know, the, 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 there was a few lads like Alex Fisher came and you know he he scored some goals, scored some goals towards the end. He, he had injury issues, but he he scored some goals towards the end of the season, you know, and and you know he he was a good signing overall. He was a good signing for us because the goal. But there was some other signings that he made, and it just didn't seem right. It what didn't make sense to where we were as a club, and now where we were and what we achieved to to what he was signing now. And I felt, you know, through the lack of lack of sort of backer and the lack of players we had in the squad, I became frustrated because I I, I was more of a box to box midfielder, and I was allowed to push on and and try and get a goal when I wanted because he had drapes there. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky sort of seen it in another way he wanted me to sort of just be the sitter in front of the back four and I took quite a lot from my game I didn't I, I wasn't I wasn't my usual self while I was sort of restricted a little bit I was taking a little bit out of my game so that was happening which I wasn't happy about the club was going in the wrong direction and I found myself having to make a decision that I didn't want to do that I, did not want to do. Um, you know, I knew there was interest from Aberdeen, but I didn't want really. Uh, I, I didn't want to leave in Venice. I wanted, I wanted to stay in Venice and just sort of go back to the position in the way I was allowed to play. So I felt restricted. I felt the club were going in the wrong direction, and we got we were going. You know, we were having we were in really bad form. And there was only one way we were going to go. Um, you know, the, we believed. You know, we should have. We still had a lot of good results towards the end of the season, um, but it just wasn't enough, and it wasn't quick enough. Um, so yeah, it was the, that's the hardest. That was the hardest bit of my career when we, you know we went down with Inverness because you just it's not nice when it happens with any club, but with the club like with the club, you, I had the affinity for mm-hmm. with Inverness. It's it, it's just extra. It's 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 a lot worse than the normal. It affected it, it. Sort of it ruined your summer. You know, you, you know. I was moving to Aberdeen and I, I wasn't really 
I was more sort of still, I was still sort of hurting from being relegated with Inverness. That I wasn't, that wasn't the way I wanted to end my time there at all. You played in the Europa League there when you were at Inverness as well. What was that like, a, a lad coming from Stockport County and then you're playing in Europe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, obviously, you fly flying over to Romania and and um, you know it's a, it, in Bucharest. It's, it, it's a weird place because there's we were staying in this really nice hotel with all these nice sort of shops and malls underneath the hotel where there's all high end designer gear and watches and stuff like that, and then. You look over the street and it's a building site and there's, there's sort of bombed out houses. It's a really weird, uh, weird mix there. So we were going to the ground. When we landed, it was like 35, 36 degrees. Oh, Jesus. I remember, yeah, I remember getting off the plane thinking, I, I don't know how we're going to play here. This is ridiculous. Because the, the, honestly, the, you were sweating just standing there. Um, during the game, it was fine. It was a bit later. Still 30-odd, but it's, you get used to it. You just you get used to it and play. Um, but I remember us, we were in a coach on the way to the ground and we got a police escort. But we were going we were going up the motorway the wrong way. So they completely shut off the motorway and there was police around us and we were going up the motorway the wrong way, which was the strangest thing I think I've ever experienced because you had back sort of traffic backed up for God as far as I could see one way while we're turning onto the motorway and it's police escort so they shut the whole place down I don't know what had happened in the past but obviously they were worried about a few things going on um, but yeah when we got there fans were brilliant I think we, we brought we brought two, about 2,000 fans or best part of and they were they were shouting they were singing all game, which was fantastic. Um, we drew nil nil, which we were on top. We, we looking back, we I feel we should have we should have definitely got something from that game. At home, you know they beat us one nil with a with a free kick that shouldn't have gone in. It was a bit of a key uh, goalkeeper mistake. Um, but yeah, great experience. It was great experience. I just want to, before we move on, I just want to touch a wee bit on, you, you obviously played in League One and Two in England. How would you sort of compare that with the Scottish Premiership? Because you've got, you've got a, lot of, a lot of people down south. It's sort of a wee bit of a bubble down there, you could say. And they sort of yeah. look, look down upon the, the, the Scottish Well, players. yeah, no one, no one in, in League One or League Two would can. Uh, they probably do, but they shouldn't look down on on Scottish football because the standing league one, league two is nowhere near the Scottish Prem. Nowhere near. Um, I think you've got, as I said before, there's not much difference between League One and League Two. The only difference you get is when you go higher up into the sort of top echelons of League One. That's where you start to see a bit of a difference. Um, in Scotland, I'd say throughout the league. There's probably elements of every league in that league. So you've got Celtic and Rangers who've proved in the past who would do well against Premiership teams. They would do well. They'd hold their own certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got 
below teams like Aberdeen and, and, and you know, you've got other teams like that, like Motherwell. Aberdeen probably would hold, us, hold their own to a certain extent in the championship. And back when we were playing, I think, back when I was at Inverness, under John Hughes, I think we'd have done the same, hold our own in the championship. But then you've got teams further down who would hold on League One, League Two, and then the ones at the bottom would be struggling sort of League Two. It's a weird blend, but the standards are a lot higher, I'd say, in Scotland than League One, League Two. So um, I, just, I just want to sort of reflect back on your time with Inverness. Tremendous few seasons there. And then you played well. A lot of cracking players, like of Shinny, Christie, who I think will go really far in the game. And uh, the, the midfield yeah. partnership with Draper as well, I thought it was different class. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I was lucky enough to play, as you said, with Graham Shinny, um, Ryan Christie, Aaron Doran was top player as well. You've got Marley Watkins, I thought was, is, you know, these are all proven to be top players. Um, big Drapes alongside me, I had a great partnership with him. We sort of complemented each other really well. Uh, it was good to see. It's good to see Ryan Christie progress the way he did. You know, I was I was fortunate enough to be up close and personal with how he was how he was um, progressing as a player, and he's he's fantastic. He's he's everything a modern day player would want to be. You know, mm-hmm. he's got everything. Um, he's got that. What what makes him a top top player? He's got that little bit of needle in him as well. He's got that little bit of attitude when he needs to. You know, there'd be times when I wouldn't give him the ball as a young lad. One of his first games was in was in a cup final, was in the cup final against Aberdeen, and I didn't give him the ball at one stage, and he ripped me head off. And I was thinking, he's a, he's the real deal, this lad, because he's a I don't know, I think he was eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, maybe a little bit older at the time, coming on in a big, big game cup final. You know, a lot of people, fifty odd thousand there, and he's. He's ripped my head off to give him the ball. I was like, Dude, I like this kid straight away. You know, I, I like his attitude straight away. And then obviously his ability on top of that. It was great to see him progress. And, you know, I think the sky's the limit for him at the minute. You see, you see boys like John McGinn going down south and doing really well. Kenny McLean doing really well. Shinny. Yeah. He's going to be the next one for me. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. So just coming on to Aberdeen now. Um, I think you signed a pre-contract with him. I remember at the time, I thought it was a, a brilliant move for you personally, but for Aberdeen, I thought it's a great signing, get, getting yourself on a free yeah. transfer. Um, how, how did it all yeah. realise? How did it come about? Well, I, I had the... There was interest um, the season before, in the January, uh, sort of met me the release clause. And I was... I wasn't sort of bothered either way in terms of... At the time, was John Hughes was there, and you know, it was very nice to have to have sort of uh, that interest from Aberdeen, and you know they were sort of close with Celtic at the time to for the for the title. So I was, it was something I was, I would have been interested in, and I was interested in, but it didn't happen. So these things happen in football. So when they came in again, and I mentioned before, I was at a stage where. I felt a bit restricted where I was playing in Vanessa, the way I was playing and sort of what uh, Richie wanted me to do in terms of sat in front of the back four and just sort of sort of being like that quarterback, if you like. 
yeah. which was great on the Ogi on use, but we didn't play the same as we used to. So I was thinking I'm a bit wasted there. So I felt a bit restricted. We weren't going in the right direction. You know, the club didn't back us in terms of players and stuff like that. So, you know, it came about and, you know, the contract was there. Uh, Derek McInnes had rang me quite a bit. And after a couple of weeks thinking about it, I thought, I don't want to in terms of I like it in Inverness, but I'm going to have to make a decision for, for what I thought was best for my career. So, yeah, I signed a pre-contract with Aberdeen. Um, understandably, there's a bit of, at the time, there's a bit of, uh, I'd say, people call it like a backlash from Inverness fans and stuff. It's not a backlash, it's just got feelings. I've not, I'm not bothered with if you get a bit of stick for leaving and stuff like that. It's a, it's a bit of an awkward situation to be in when you're still playing for a club, but you're going to go elsewhere at the end of the season. Um, so there was that. That um, I still have, you know, still love Inverness. You know, it's probably the first uh, fixture I look for. But yeah, there was that time. It was a bit of an awkward time in my career, uh, waiting to go there. Um, so yeah, I, I went to Aberdeen and. You know, I had a few, you know, we were, it was sort of train with them and I was enjoying it at the start, I was enjoying it. Um, played a few games in Europe. Again, fortunately, we got knocked out. It was in Cyprus, it was, or something like that. Um, Limassol, was it, no? Yeah, Limassol, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was, I, I just, it was, it was similar to, it was similar to the stage where I was at, at Inverness, where I just moved into a house you're sort of moving stuff around, you're sort of getting used to your, your, the players and everything and uh, you're getting used to where you live and new place to live and and stuff like that. And, you know, I played start the season, you know, with them and after about five or six games of the season, I felt, I felt a little, which was a hernia on the right-hand side of my groin. It's basically a sportsman's hernia, so it's just like, it's not like the stereotypical hernia where you get where you, it's just overuse basically, overuse in the groin area. Um, and, but I was still able to play. I could just feel it, it was a bit stiff and sore. Um, so we played, when I was at Aberdeen, we played Motherwell on TV on the Sunday. I think we, we beat them 1-0. So I played 60 minutes. After that, I was due to have my surgery on the Tuesday. So I got through 60 minutes. Um, it became a bit sore after half-time with the stop and the starting again. So I came off after after 60 minutes and was due to have and had the surgery on the Tuesday. Um, unfortunately, it was complications with the surgery. Um, bit of a tricky one to be fair at the minute there was complications with the surgery where it never felt the same after the surgery as when it did beforehand right in terms of even beforehand I was able to play 60 minutes of a game and I could feel a little bit but it was something that would you know that's a couple of weeks and you're fine just a bit of just tighten everything up strengthen mm. the area and then that you're fine but yeah it was it, you know, I had the surgery and, and, and it sort of never felt the same again. You you played seven seven or eight games, I think, at Aberdeen and, and your time was cut short. I, th- I thought you'd have gone on to have a good yeah. game. But 
Yeah. As, as a, it must be frustrating, you know, that coming back and then that we, would you say you weren't really the, the same player as you as you run about there? No, no, definitely. You know what I mean? I was struggling to get out of bed, struggling to walk around, get out the car, struggling to walk around Tesco. And if I'm struggling to do that, there was no way I was ever going to be the same player on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Even when I was on the pitch, when I'd, I'd, because as a, as a player, I'd been doing this all my life and it was my dream. And even though as, as a player and as anything, really, even if you want something so much, you don't, you, you, you know, you try and make the most of the best of a best of a bad situation. So there was times when I'm struggling to get up the car limping into training and then trying to train even though I was, tell, I was telling people that you know uh, this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel right but at the start I was told you know it'll feel you'll feel a few aches and pains but it, as long as you keep training you'll, you'll get through it and I, as I said before this like I've never been injured I was lucky enough never to have an injury before yeah. before having that at Aberdeen so I wasn't injury prone so I knew it. I knew it wasn't right, and um, found out. Found out sort of when I retired that I'd had an abscess on my pelvis for about a year. Jeez. So I was playing when I was trying to play for Aberdeen after the surgery. I had an abscess on my pelvis, and the mesh that the surgeon, had, the the initial surgeon, had put in was six centimetres in the wrong place, so my hernia was still there. During this time, obviously I'm feeling this pain and I'm getting a bit of stick off the fans and stuff like that because I'm not the player I was. And I'm thinking to myself, there's something wrong here. I physically can't be the player I was because I don't feel... There's something wrong. Like, I don't feel right. Like, I'm in pain. I can barely get out of fucking bed. So that was a, that was a time... That was a time where Jordan, Jordan, that Jordan, when he had the injury, that was a time where you suffered with a lot. I was suffering, you know, you suffer with, you know, you suffer with the pain, you know, there's depression that you get as well because you just don't know where what's going on. You you feel like you've been robbed mm-hmm. in terms of you don't you don't feel like you're you don't feel don't feel like you're the same player anymore because you're in pain. You think I can't do the things I used to. And when I try and do things you used to, I'm feeling pain. I'm more concentrating on the pain than because you try and block it out as well. You try, but it's impossible. You can't do it. Um, so I've got all these things going on in my head, and you know, obviously, then there was sort of a there was sort of a uh, at the time when they didn't know um, that I had an abscess and my pelvis was infected. I was getting. I was I was having talks with Derek McInnes, Derek McInnes and other staff members saying, you know, you need to really be pushing, you know, to get back fit. And you know, we've all we've been told, you know, you should be you should be fine now. So you know, is everything okay? Or you know, do you, why can't like they show me videos of my time at Inverness, which was their way of trying to help me and trying to give me confidence. And I'm I'm saying to them, confidence is an issue. Yeah, I'm in pain. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in pain. Like I, I, I don't get. 
I don't get why I'm feeling like this. I've never had this, in, never felt like this in my life. So I'm going through that, not knowing what it was. So then luckily I was sent to, I was, I was, I was told I was going on loan to Ross County. And I was like, I can't even walk here properly. And he's sending me, what, what, what's, what's going on? So we had to try and do my own. So I, I was at home at the time because it was, I think it was the winter break. And I was trying, I, I tried to, well, I was doing basically my own fitness test at home on a field for going to Ross County. And again, I felt, I, I didn't feel great. I didn't feel good at all. I'd rested for weeks. So the symptoms had died down a little bit. But the minute I tried to do the, the twisting and turning and the, the explosives, like kicking and stuff like that, what you have to do when you're playing, it, it just flared up again. So after one or two training sessions, basically tiptoeing through training for us County, I, I, again, I had the stage where I couldn't walk. So, luckily enough, they sent me to a different surgeon. One down in London, uh, Professor Lloyd, that specialises in hernia operations. And initially, he thought it was the left side. So I had an operation on the left side. And he said, there's nothing really wrong with the left side. He just put, um, he just strengthened the other side. So he injected, like when you have surgery, they, they numb the area. So it felt okay for a, for a, for a week or two mm-hmm. for, for rehab and that. And then he had... Then I sort of relapsed again and I had the, you know, I got, I got pain again. So then I'm going back down to a surgeon. Went back down to the same surgeon, uh, Professor Lloyd, who did my second operation on the left side. And he opened up the original operation side. And he, he said, obviously, he was like, um, I'm going to have to repair this again because the mesh is in the wrong position. Um Mess in the wrong position and you still got hernia, so it's going to get worse. So he put that, he took that out, put that in. And during this time, you know, having one operation is bad enough, but having two or three in the same area in your, in your, in your pelvis, you, I mean, from something that was meant to just be one surgery and then you're fine, this ended up in three. Yeah. And then a week later, I'm still getting pain. Because the infection's still there. So after being injured for the whole time I was at, it, at Ross County, and they were great with me, to be fair to them. They, they paid for all my operations, which they didn't have to. They shouldn't mm. have, really, because it wasn't their problem. Um, I went back to, to Aberdeen, and I was having to take sort of... I was having to take heavy, heavy painkillers in terms of... I was having to take, like... Which was fucking terrible the first time I had to take them. I had to take suppository, suppository diclofenix, which I don't know if you've ever had to do that, but it's a fucking nightmare. No. <laughs> so I'm going to say, mate, no, no. I was like, when he first said to me, I was like, no chance. There's no <laughs> yeah. chance that's happening. No chance. So anyway, I had, to, I had to do that. So it sort of made it a bit bearable in terms of I could walk around okay. I could do little bits and pieces. But as soon as I started training again for Aberdeen in that the next summer, uh, it was 2018. It would have been 2018, summer 2018. Um, 
we were in Cork for the pre-season tour, and after the first training session, straight away again, blew up. I couldn't. I was limping round. I was like, I thought at that point, I thought something. When I was at Ross County, I thought something serious is wrong here. But you always have that hope that you'll get that it'll get better. And so I had that for that for the for the off season. I was hoping I'd get better when I'd back, go back training. After the first training session in Cork, I knew something serious. Yeah, this is this is serious. It's not going. Um, I went down to a different specialist in Bradford, and he. Oh no, it wasn't Bradford, it was London. So I flew down to London. Um and they said he said, you know, you've got osteomyelitis, which is a, a pelvic infection. Right. And he said, obviously this you don't I mean I wouldn't get affected. He said the, the infection is because you were infected after the first surgery or you know, basically after after numerous surgeries you get you can get infections, there's stuff like stuff that happens with moving around and they're opening you up and stuff like that. So then I had to go on an antibiotic trip. I think that was twice. I had to do two loads of that. I was put on it for one week, which was, I was on it for an hour. I'd go away, rest, come back. I was on it for an hour again. The week later at Aberdeen Hospital. Um, and it eased, it eased for a bit. But, it's, it was a bit like a cold sore. So the more activity I'd done, I did, it just flared up again. Uh, and it wasn't going. During this time, obviously, I'm at home. I, I can, I'm going into training, into the physio room. And there's not really a lot they can do or want to do with me at this point because you're just a football. You, you, one thing about football, you're a commodity to the to the to the club and if you, if you can't do your job and they know you can't do your job you're pretty worthless which is fine it's what you sign up for as a player I wasn't bothered with that um, McInnes came out in the press and said I had no future there and I, I, I said to a few of the boys I said I, I said to him I, I never had a future I, I, I haven't even done anything to have a future I've never got the chance to do anything here Obviously, people just think, people don't see this part of it. And then in the summer break, in the winter break again in 2019, St. Mirren came in for me. Which at this point, I'm, I was amazed that I could still get a transfer. I was like, I, I haven't got a physio bed for a year and a half. I, I don't know how this has happened. Like, mm. I don't know how I'm going. Um, what it was is Brian Rice, who was assistant to Yogi at Inverness was at St. Mirren, so I wanted to take me there. So I came to St. Mirren, and obviously I hadn't trained for a bit, so I was, I was still on the, a lot of painkillers um, to get to try and just to get in a state where I could get through training. I, all, my, all I was focused on is getting through training and not actually doing what I normally would do if I was fit in training I was just wanted to get through it and then get on to the next day and just try and get fit that way after a while during it even with the painkillers I was just in pain I just felt stiff you know I, as you said before I just wasn't the player I was before sort of this happened 
and I knew I knew it wasn't. But at that time, you've got you've got bills to pay, you've got your family to look after, you've got all kinds, and it's still a job at the end of the day. And I'm just trying to do the best with the situation I was in to get paid, and 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 that was as simple as that because you just need to earn a living, whatever way you do it. Mm-hmm. So again, again, when I was during the time I was playing, um. It flared up again, flared up again, and, and they said I wouldn't. I'd need um, another course of the antibiotics. I need another couple of scans. They need to get to the bottom of it. Um, it came out that again that I had an abscess. The abscess came back. The osteomyelitis came back through the sort of the heavy duty sort of fitness stuff you have to do as a footballer. You know the twisting and turning and stuff. It was bad enough because I knew at that stage, you know, the physio Alan Queen at the time said to me, he said, listen, you need to look at packing this in because it's it's just gonna get worse. It's it's you're just gonna flare it up every time you every time you try and get back. So that was hard, that was hard to hear. That was very hard to hear, and it was something that as a player you don't want to listen to straight away. I didn't listen to him, I thought, right, uh, you know, I've come this far, I've played football for this long, I'm not just gonna go okay as soon as someone says you need to retire I'm going to try and give it everything I've got yeah so that's what I did I, I, you know I was I even there was things that the only thing I could control really was my diet and, and stuff like that because I couldn't I couldn't like it to an extent where or run to an extent where I'd, I could gain fitness the only thing I do is make sure it was physically at the best in the best shape it could be and that's all I focused on in terms of eat, you know I was eat, eating like a monk you know I wouldn't I lost all kinds of weight because I was just trying to be that strict with myself um, and plus to be honest it would have been the depression as well because only now I look back and go fucking, I was in a bad bad place um, and then obviously as as this sort of infection went on long enough, longer as it did um, I got a phone call from the agent saying, "No, uh, sorry, I got a phone call from from the physio. I think it was Alex saying and he was great. He was brilliant with me, saying that um, basically St. Mirren didn't want to pay for my operation because it wasn't their problem in terms of their insurance wouldn't cover it, which stung to be honest because I can I could see where they were coming from, but it was." Uh, on a human level, it's a bit. It was a bit, bit of a kick in the teeth to to say you know you know you're gonna have to pay for this operation yourself. You know I was only trying to do the best I could for them, which is why the, the I had to have another operation. I was only trying to do the best for them. Um. So during that time, there was a standoff, and I'm I'm sat at home. I was sat at home in Liverpool, and my mum's sort of not being able to move. It was infected. And it was, it was just like, it's just like your worst nightmare in, in terms of just, you're just waiting like to, to hear something. I was speaking to the PFA. They were saying there's no way you should pay for the operation, blah, blah, blah. Statement are in the wrong. And it got to a stage where I was thinking, even if I come through this, I don't want to play for St. Men anymore. I can't, because the, on a human level, it just disrespect the, the, the way I was treated. It wasn't my fault. The way that you you signed me. Yeah. It's not my fault. You knew me, you record. 
um, on Aberdeen. So I got to the stage where I'm, I thought, no, I'm not sort of being bullied and being cast away because I'd had it for 18 months with Aberdeen and St. Mint. So I, was, I got to a stage where I was like, I should have, well, I should have made uh, St. Mint pay for it. And we come to a st- agreement where I'd pay half and they'd pay half. They didn't come through with that either. So in the end, I said, listen, I'm never, I, I couldn't play for you again, even if this is a miracle and I come back. Um, That's fair enough, yeah. Yeah. So during this time, um, the same thing in physio was obviously aging with the doctor who looked at me and saying, really, you do need to really look at retiring now. So I, I, it was something I had to think about. So I, I paid for the own, my own operation, left St. Mirren. Um, and yeah, the, the, I, was never, I never felt the same after that. So I still deal. I can go, I can do active stuff. So I'm not, you know, I can go to the gym and stuff like that. But any terms of running at high speed or changing direction, I, I still get pain now. So I decided, I decided to call it a day. To call it a day and 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 sort of, and it was a bad bad way to to retire to be honest because it was sort of, I felt like it was taken away from me rather than because there was still I was still in my prime I was still twenty eight when it happened oh, when I, when I got the surgery so it's not like I was thirty three thirty four and it was probably time to call it a day anyway so that's what made it harder but listen it. You know that's that's what you go through, and that's that's the the sort of what was both it's the good, the bad, and the ugly side of, of football. Really, it's something I had to deal with. Something of, you know, it's, it's still hurts now. Like I'm not gonna lie, but it's something that came through, and and uh, you do you do learn a lot, learn a lot by the way sort of people treated you, treat you, and things like that. And you know if. It, yeah, you become a stronger person for it. So that's that's something something definite. Like you do become a stronger person with it. You talk about the mental health side of it as well. You you mentioned a wee bit about depression and things. But what sort of keeps you mm. going? Um. Well, what what keeps me going now is is uh, I look back and and as a kid, you know, I think to myself, I can focus on the bad things. But as a kid growing up, I think to myself, I've ever said. You go and win the Scottish Cup. You go and you know you go and play in Europa League a few times and blah blah blah. You know I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have turned it down. I would have took it. And you know what you're getting into when you start football. Um, mental health is a massive thing in football. Mental health is a massive thing in football. Um, it's something that you know I was I was lucky. I had a, I had I had a bad stick. I had, you know, it was tough, and I and I went through, I suffered with it, um, through the bad times where with what was happening. But it was only with what was happening, in terms of what was happening with to with the injury and stuff like that. I went through it. You know, there's boys out there who were at the top of the careers, and and they suffer with it, and that's that's the real, that and that's real. That that's, you know, you got just terrible stories about, you know, you know, men and women, in any walk of life. You know, struggle with it, no matter who you are, um, and it's definitely something. You know, the the PFA are doing a good thing with the 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 mental health awareness and stuff like that. And that's something. Yeah, it's something I'd say to anyone, you know, to speak out about because we've probably all suffered with it at some stage, 
And um, at the time when I was when I was through it, in terms of what kept me going was um, was just the, the, you, you give your life, so to speak, to footy football. And I was thinking, I'm not going to let this get on top of me to a fact to a stage where I have to walk away for for the, no other reason than an injury. You know, I I, I was never going to let that happen. And thankfully, it didn't get to a stage where I, I didn't sort of, I didn't want to, I always had that sort of belief. Deep down, I was going through bad stuff, but I had that belief, I need to keep going. Um, you know, there's lads, there's lads who suffer with it and they're not, they go through a lot worse than I did. So, I can't imagine what they go through, but, um, but yeah, on the whole, it's, it's really good and it's, it's, it's important, especially with the times we're in now, it's important to, to, to really um, really think about mental health and talk about it. Big thing is talking about it. That, that's, a, that's a brilliant attitude to have. Um, and I, I noticed that when, when you'd put up your sort of retirement statement and things like that, you were a wee bit, well, more positive than, for example, I think I would be about it. And, and, and more yeah. than a lot of people, you were sort of like, one door closes and another one opens. So mm-hmm. sort of... What, what what is next for Greg Tanzi then? Um, next next I'm gonna I want to do my coaching badges. Um, I would love to work at at academy level. I'd love to work at academies. I've seen. I don't think I'd want to get into. I wouldn't want to get into management. Um, mm. I've seen managers at the at the end end of the sort of time with the club and the stress and the. They look at they look a shell of them at the man they were when they came in, and that's not. I don't want to do that. I, I've been. It's been stressful enough playing footy, so I don't want to go through that again. Um, I just want to. I just want to go and and sort of and teach kids, teach kids the right way. I feel to play football. Um, there'll be other things going on that I, that I want to get into. You know, in terms of in terms of uh, business wise and that, but at this moment in time, it's a bit. Everything's a bit uncertain, so we need to let that sort of die down a little bit, and um, and see what the next sort of next sort of way to go is. But I, I've definitely got my eyes set on that. That's something I really want to do. I think what you're doing as well with the podcasts and stuff like that and, and interviews is great. I think that's going to be a massive thing going forward. I mean, during this lockdown, I've been I've been I'm really into me podcasts. I'm really into me podcasts. Um, so who knows? Maybe that's an avenue I go down in the future. I don't know, but. It's great to have things like this. What you're doing now, because this is the way forward. I think for me, this you'll you, these are the, this is the experience you'll get now, and and it, you'll 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 benefit from it. Hopefully, you're interviewing a lot a lot um, a lot more high-profile people than me in the future. Um, oh, no. But uh, yeah, but no, no, going forward, mate, going forward, it's sort of. I think I think anything with hard work, your hard work, you dedicate to anything in, in life. You'll do well at some stage, one way or another. So that's that's what I'm going to do, and I believe in the end, in the end, it'll turn out it'll turn out well. So um, I always like to ask guests sort of how they look back on everything. You'll obviously be kind of yeah. kind of devastated with with how everything ended and things. Um, probably probably yeah. before you planned retired. That I think you were 30 years of age. Um, but despite that sort of how do you how do you reflect back on everything? The, the podcast is called the, the Full Time Whistle Podcast. So, sort of, yeah. 
when the full-time whistle went on your career, how, how do you want to sort of be remembered? Yeah. Uh, I want to be remembered uh, the way, just just an, an honest lad. An honest lad came came from not much really, just worked as hard as he could and, and did did the most with with the with the, the ability he had um, and sort of and, and the main thing is did well in this, did, did as well as I could in the circumstances I was in. Um, I'll always have I'll always have great times, which I'll, I'll you know I, obviously this bad horrible. It's not a good way to, to end your career, but I'll always have. I always think of football as you know, it's it's sort of it's the first love really football, um, yeah, and, and it always will be. It always will be. I'll look at I'll, I'll focus on the, the good times rather than, than anything else, um, because I did have a lot of good times before before I had to finish. So that's that's what I want to you know. I always want to be. I I've always said in in interviews, always said how I feel. Always said how I feel. I've been pretty honest in that way. Um, I always will be really. I don't think there's any there's any need to put on any anything fake or anything like that. It's, you, you just say it as it is. You know, I had good times, I had bad times, but you know, I just remember the good times. Greg, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you very much for for giving up so much of your time uh, to speak to me. No problem, mate. No problem at all. You know, uh, as I said with the podcast, you're doing it brilliant. So you keep keep cracking on, mate, and, and uh, just the more and more you do it, the more and more you know you're the bigger following, and and you you know you. You're really good at what you do, mate. So now it was a pleasure. Tom, oh, I really appreciate that. Um, just as well goes without no saying. I, I wish you all the best, obviously, in the future. Oh, Hopefully, we we see you back in Scottish football one day as well. Yeah, yeah. We, who knows, mate? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind going back up north. You know, to be second home. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Um, plenty, plenty of good memories up there, mate. So, yeah, yeah. Who knows, mate? Maybe one time in the future. This has honestly been. One of my favourite interviews, so genuinely. Yeah, no, top man. No, I really appreciate that, mate. It's been a pleasure to do it, pal. I've enjoyed it. Really have. I've enjoyed it. Anytime you need anything in the future, mate, just give me, just pop me a message, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll sort it out. Not a problem. Absolute legend, mate. Thank you. I, I could listen no, no, to you. No later. problem, mate. Yeah, yeah. No problem at all, pal. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, easy, all mate. the best, yeah. All the best for you, mate. Look after yourself. See you later. Well, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. It was a genuine pleasure to chat to Greg about the highs and lows of his career so far. I personally really enjoyed it. Um, quite a roller coaster, to say the least, but um, a big thanks must go to him for giving up so much of his time and being so open and honest about some very tough subjects, which he really didn't have to do. It shows he's a, he's a real top bloke um, from some fantastic stories and uh, some great insight into the life of a footballer, which... Some people, you know, don't often see. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Um, if you did, please give us a follow on Twitter at the FT Whistle Pod and subscribe on the platform you listened on so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, please leave a review or simply tweet the podcast just to let me know what you think, even if that is constructive criticism. Um, anything that I can do to improve the podcast in the future, just let me know. And also... An important one, please share the podcast if you did enjoy. Give it a retweet whenever it's about or just simply tell your friends or family. 
spread the word and get it out there. That that goes a long way. The podcast is all done for a bit of fun, of course, but you know it's great to hear that people actually enjoy what I'm putting together. I've had a few messages and tweets saying that that people have enjoyed it, so um, that really makes the effort worthwhile. So genuinely, thank you to everybody that's listened for the support so far, and stay tuned for plenty more. Stay safe and all the best. Thank you, guys. Cheers.